welcome, welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. I have a friend on with me today. Welcome, Dorenda Wilson. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I'm excited to be here. We've talked about doing this for a while, so I'm glad it finally happened. I know. I've been on yours. It was so fun. I even had a friend that texted me. She was like, I heard you on Dorenda's podcast. So, <laughs> That's great. I loved it. I felt famous. <laughs> it was awesome. So Dorenda also has a podcast and we're going to be talking about um, her podcast and her family and her awesome new book, The Four Hour School Day. I love this, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. And we're also just going to be talking about how life can look different than um, than how everyone else does it. You know, four hour school day, that's um I mean, that that's a neat life, right? And so we're going to be talking about that and her podcast and her family. I already said all those things, didn't I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Let me tell you. So, yes. And uh, Dorenda has the Dorenda Wilson podcast, which a ton of my friends listen to and I listen to. And uh, there's so much uh, to learn from her. Let me give you a little bit of her bio. With more than 25 years of home education experience, Dorenda Wilson is a trusted voice and research. Uh, resource at homeschool conventions and on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Dorenda and her husband Daryl have eight kids and six grandbabies. This you are the type of person that everyone needs to go to for advice, right? Eight kids and six grandbabies. So you've done all these transitions as an author and speaker. Her greatest joy is helping moms discover God's grace and with it, the courage to put their full trust in him moving forward in faith and confidence. You can connect with her at DorendaWilson.com. So welcome. And I'm so glad you're here. And this is your second book, correct? Um, it's actually my third book. Your third book. Okay. First whoops. book that wasn't self-published. Yeah. I, I okay. did uh, The Unhurried Homeschooler. Like, yep. I had that one. Six years ago. And then I did um, Unhurried Grace, which is like a little devotional for homeschool moms. And then oh, this- that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I forgot about the devotional. That's the one I forgot yeah. about. I think that's we have right. that one too. <laughs> yeah. So this is your first one that was published through a publishing company. I'm sure it's been quite the experience. Very different. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it's a beautiful book. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about, there's so much to talk about, but I, I kind of want to just start at the title. Yeah. Um, the four hour school day. I think because um, I think as a society, we're very much in a box yes. that, you know, school needs to last seven or eight hours. And when I say school, I, I personally think that education happens from the moment you get up from yeah. to the moment you go to bed for the most part, even they're starting to come out with things about video games that actually video games are helpful for, you know, cognition and things like that. So, you know, education is happening all the time. To, how did you come up with this title of the four hour school day? Well, I actually didn't come up with it. My, my literary agent did. And at first I didn't like it because I thought people are going to think that I am going to tell them how to homeschool in four hours or less a day. Um, but after a long conversation, we realized that one of the biggest myths is that it does have to take all day long. And, and we wanted to catch the attention of people who might be thinking that they're not, you know, either if they're doing less than that, that it's not enough or if they're thinking about homeschooling and they think it's going to take all day and that's the reason they're not going to do it, um, yeah. that I want to show them that that's simply not true. And so much of it is based on what you just said. You know, education happens all day long. But when I talk about the, you know, the four hours, it's it's 
the actual like book work piece of it. And, and the four hours is the max. Like when my kids were in kindergarten and first grade, we're talking zip zero, not a same. We did nothing. 15 minutes if they want to, you know, just that, you know, that unhurried approach that I talk about in the unhurried homeschooler. Um, And that just that slow transition into, you know, maybe some more, you know, bookie type things, um, in terms of, you know, workbooks and stuff like that, that it's just a slow, very, um, natural, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. it is natural, you know, they are able to do more. And so then maybe things take a little bit longer. Right. Um, you know, so we've got listeners at homeschool and don't homeschool and you and I were going to record a podcast actually at the beginning of the school year. Um, that was specifically for homeschoolers. That was like, you don't have to be afraid. Um, but then we were both busy. (laughs) So here we are in November and, uh, so we're a little behind the eight ball, but I think, I think that the concepts here will be good for any family, which is, you know, if, if four hour school day is enough, you know, then we can cool it on the tutoring and we can cool it on the weekend things and we can cool it on the homework a little bit, you know, um, uh, John Taylor Gatto, he talks about time mm-hmm. uh, and he says it takes 50 hours to functional literacy, um, which that's shocking. Yeah. I read the other day that it's 20 hours at the right time, you know, for like, um, it, you know, for older kids, if you're teaching nine to 12 year olds, K through six math, 20 hours, what? 20 hours. What? I can't let uh, my kids listen. I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. And you know, so like when I so when I you know thought about writing the four hour school day and and wasn't like you know I wasn't hep on the title, but then I realized, wait a second, these people need to understand that yeah. not just uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to show them how to do it because I don't know their children. It would not be um, it would be really presumptuous of me to assume that I know how, what your children need. Um, because I'm not their mother. You right. are. And you, and this is the thing I really try to affirm in the book is that I just believe that parents are qualified to facilitate their kids' education because they love their kids more than anyone. They're more invested in them than anyone. They know them better than anyone. And, you know, it's just, if I just, that's that, that was my hope and prayer as people, as they would read this book, they would realize, wait a second, you know, I, I can do this. You know, I, I've got what it takes to do this. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be a learner, be willing to learn alongside yeah. your kids. And, um, and it is, you know, when you have that kind of mentality, all of a sudden it turns into an adventure mm-hmm. instead of, you know, oh my gosh, we got to get all this stuff done. And um, I remember in the middle of, well, we're, <laughs> I don't know where we are in this pandemic. Yep. <laughs> I want to say in the middle of it, but uh, you know, a year ago when we were in the middle of it, but I feel like sometimes we're still in the middle of it. But anyway, all that to say, I remember at one point teachers, um, this was on like the uh, public radio station. Uh, there was someone, a teacher, educator, or somebody up, up there somewhere, basically said, um, parents are freaking out that their kids are falling behind. But they said mm. they don't understand is that, you know, basically we have an arbitrary set of standards for their kids. And I was like, that's you it. Wow. Said that? I can't believe you said that. But I, I it's like it was such affirmation as a mom. I knew it all along this checklist, 
all this busy work, all this stuff. This is just stealing my kid's childhood and I'm not going to have it. And, you know, and this is the beauty of what we're seeing right now is so many parents standing up and saying, uh, you think you own my kids? I don't think so. You think that I, I can't do this or I can't be the parent and make these decisions for my kids. Um, nope, you're wrong. And, and I think they're just starting to realize they've really, they've got what it takes to stand up for their kids and do what it takes to do what's best for their kids. And, um, and I love seeing that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting phrase, an arbitrary set of standards. And it's interesting to me because I used to teach. So I taught high school math. Um, And actually, I had one year I taught in the inner city schools, which was my favorite year of teaching. Um, Mm. I taught taught, uh, junior high, uh, like social studies. And um, as a side note, uh, I didn't know anything about social studies. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I have to tell you this story. So... um, so I, I got like the easiest minor that I could get and it was in history and right. I had a math degree. And then I was like, well, what's the easiest minor I could get? It was like the least amount of credits was history. And I just took these random courses and I wasn't super interested. And so that was the first job I got. And I remember being in the first day of class and someone asked me who the second president was and I didn't know. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is something that we look up in a book. <laughs> You know, so, you know, you just think about, well, first of all, that shows the holes in my own education because like my kids have done the president song through like classical conversations, you know, just we don't even do that. But there's the president song. But then also, you know, um, so the teachers have holes, but then uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Teachers have holes. Arbitrary and you were teaching social studies. Yeah. So, okay. So that was, I I guess that was just a story to show that like the teachers, we think these teachers know everything, but they don't, Right. you know, some of them are coming in and that's their minor or this is, they got shoved in this class last minute. So um, there's that. But then as being a math teacher, the last year I was in charge of like the curriculum from kindergarten to 12th grade for our whole district. And it was like, where does all this stuff come from? You know, they send these tests. Nobody knew. Nobody really knew where it came from. Like politicians is where I think a lot of it came from. But it was always a question of like, who came up with this? Like every kid has to pass algebra two to get, you know, to get their high school diploma. And people are like, have these people sat in a classroom? Like, you know, some kids just aren't cut out for that and that's fine, you know? And so there was always this question of like, who is making these decisions? They're clearly not with the kids. Um, And so that arbitrary set of standards is huge. And that 20 hours for math is huge. And the John Taylor Gatto is the 50 hours to functional literacy, which means that you could read, write, you could learn enough reading, writing, and arithmetic at the right time in 50 hours to learn anything you ever wanted to learn. Exactly. That's what he says. 50 hours. I mean, that's like a week and a half of school. And so I don't know. So I love this title because our life is our time. Yes. And if we can free ourselves from these constraints that like sitting, seat work, homework, all of those things have to take eight, 10, 12 hours, six hours a day. Right. You know, right. if we can free ourselves from that, exactly. um, we're going to give our kids a, a really healthy uh, start to life and a really healthy yeah. foundation. That's so, right. That's right. I and mean, that's what I talk about in the book. And, and what I wanted to say that I kept forgetting to say was that, you know, the book is more about why it doesn't have to take all day. And so in in that process, what I do is just lay out, um, just sort of ask some great questions um, that maybe, you know, parents haven't asked themselves about 
education and what it really is and when it's really happening. And all of a sudden it opens up your perspective on it. And all of a sudden it opens up your world to being able to just enjoy your kids. You know, obviously there's work raising kids. There just, there is, but there is so much of homeschooling that can be enjoyable. And that's what I love about, you know, a thousand hours outside is it just, it, it helps, um, it helps take that focus out of indoors, out of book work, out of, you know, the, the checklist and out into the world because the kids, they thrive in nature. They just, yeah. they love it. I, I can't And so do we as adults, right? I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of things that go on in our bodies when we're outside, when we're, you know, just out in nature and kids need it for, I talk about this in the book that, their vision actually um, ends up can end up being um, distorted and and they can end up being nearsighted or whatever because they're not outside enough and seeing yeah. things in the distance. Um, they need to their eyes need to be looking out a lot yeah. when they're younger, which is totally you know natural for them. They want to be outside. They want to be playing. They don't typically want to have their nose in a book for any length right. of time. Not that that's a bad thing. Obviously we sit and read with them if they, you know, if that's something they're, we want to do and they want to do, and we can make it cozy and fun, but, and that's the beauty of, of homeschooling. You know, we can sit on it wherever we want. We could sit outside and read if we want to, you know, sometimes my 17 year old son, who he's the only one left that I'm homeschooling. We'll go outside and do schoolwork or we'll go to a coffee shop and do schoolwork or we'll, you know, whatever. Or like the last three days, he hasn't done any schoolwork. He's been working on an outdoor project that we need finished. And we just make the exchange and he's learning and learning is happening. Mm -hmm. Learning is happening there. I think that the the point is balance, right? Which is that we've tipped too far. And, you know, and so the, you know, that I've read about that the vision problems are worse um, in areas where, you know, academics are pushed more, you know, so, um, so where there's a lot of higher learning and all this, you know, focus on reading really young and the kids' eyes, they're not ready for it. Right. They're not ready for it. Actually, the Waldorf schools talked about, and especially because this is going to go on video, I learned it from my midwife, but the Waldorf schools, they have physical markers that, you know, to know that a kid is ready for reading. And one of them is that you can lift your arm over your head and touch your ear. Um, and it has to do with like your limb, your limbs and the ratio of your limbs. And then they talk about that you're your adult teeth are coming in and that shows that your internal organs are formed. There's all these physical markers. And that up until those point, up until those points, your the child's ears are not fully formed, nor are their eyes fully formed. And so we can really damage if we're really pushing that reading. And and they say kindergarten is the new first grade. I mean, stuff is really getting pushed. It really is. And and if you down. compare that to 20 years ago, it's more like third grade. Um, I remember because when I remember when I was growing up, um, we didn't learn our multiplication tables until sixth grade. Wow, Dorenda. Sixth grade. And so when I started homeschooling our kids and wow. we go into, you know, and they're trying to teach them this in third grade, I was like, okay, I just kind of tried to wheel, you know, just kind of weasel my way around it. If they were ready and they wanted to do it, hmm. great. 
Um, I had different ways of, if it meant that they were just going to kind of go over these things a little bit every day for two years, I was fine with that. The the problem we ran into was that a lot of math books require now that you know multiplication before you can even move on to the next thing. So what I would do is I would give them the multiplication fact table. So they could just look it up. They could yeah. just look on that list and find out what is, what is nine times nine. You do that enough times and eventually you memorize it, right? Wait, I know. Nine times nine. Wait, I got to do the other way. 81. <laughs> Did you ever do that one? I didn't. Nope. So for the nines, then all you have to do is put down your ninth finger and then there's 81. Ah. Or is it nine times four? Right. Well, I feel like I'm backwards. I can't really tell. Nine times four is... 36. Put that on your fourth finger. Cool. You can teach your grandkids. <laughs> it only works for the nines, but also I used to be a math teacher. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 1000 hours. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. You know, my mom, she, my sweet mother, she would go when we would go on long trips, uh, she would go to the library and she would get out all these like learning things on song. And so we had the multiple. I mean, I, I know a song for every multiplication table. I still know them. I still sing them in my head. 
Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, seven, fourteen, twenty-one. <laughs> I just had the whole thing. I know. I know. I've got schoolhouse rock, uh, rock songs in my head. You know, prepositions, conjunction, junction. What's your function? Yeah. Yes, you do learn through music. I was listening to something with my son the other day. We're going through this series called. Um, uh, reading the Bible again for the first time. And so this guy is just bringing out all kinds of really interesting things that kind of changes your perspective. But one of the things he said is that um, when we listen to something, we actually are in, um, in a sense, giving that thing authority in mm-hmm. our life because we're taking it in. So even in a conversation, when I stop and listen to you, I'm giving you a place of authority in my life to speak to me and, and I listen. And so he he was relating it to, um, you know, the fact that when we sing and when we hear things, um, especially music wise, we tend to remember it because he was talking about how the Bible uh, was meant to be heard. I mean, we have the written, but they didn't have the written way back then. And so it's, it's interesting about the ancient times and, um, you know, there's a lot of historical stuff there, but they they didn't have paper. They didn't have things to write. So they would speak it. From one generation to the next. You think about that and the power of words. And so all these conversations that we have with our kids along the way where we're really engaged, which, you know, you and I both, I know you're, you're like this too. You have a lot of conversations with your kids and you're talking about the things that they're interested in and you're engaging (laughs) with those interests and you're asking questions and you're, you know, all, all these different things, the value in that. I can't even emphasize it enough. And it has nothing to do with curriculum. It has nothing to do with piles of books and checklists and those arbitrary standards. It's a relationship with your child. And I I heard someone say a while back that uh, basically, how did they say that? Basically, education without instruction is provocation. And the the whole meaning behind it was a data-filled Educate just information based education that has nothing to do with relationship and mm-hmm. you know personal instruction and discipleship and walking alongside of your child and having a relationship with them actually provokes children to anger. Interesting. And I was like, well, we're seeing a lot of angry kids. They hate school. Yeah. They don't want to go yeah. to school. Um, they're not really learning that much. They're just doing their time. And I want so much more for my kids than that. You know, I mean. Obviously, you know, I know there's lots of there's great teachers out there and there's some some good situations and I can't, you know, generalize across the board at all. But I think at the end of the day, if you're feeling that tug towards homeschooling, uh, I I guess I'm here to just encourage you that um, that it could just be a wonderful, wonderful thing for you. And I I, and I and you need to know that as a parent, um, you're qualified. You're qualified because you love that kid. Um, and those kids more than anyone, you know, I, I always say like a teacher, actually, my son said this, uh, he said, mom, you got to tell these parents that on, um, that a mom on her worst day still loves her kids more than a teacher on her best day. And, and that's not a slam on. Wow. Who said that? One of your kids, my kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty profound. Um, And he's right because, you know, obviously they're your children. I mean, that's just, Mm. you can't argue with that. It doesn't mean the teacher doesn't like your child and isn't concerned for them, but that level of concern and that level of love is so much deeper um, from a parent. And it comes out in, 
in, you know, how we teach them and, and how we walk through, you know, if we decide to homeschool, um, how we walk that out, you know, um, and, and those parents out there sometimes think they have to be a teacher in order, you know, like, okay, now we're doing school. So I need to put on my teacher hat. And I just say, no, 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 no. Just teach from your mom heart, teach from that nurturing nature. That's already there. That nur- that love that you already have for your child. And then, and the teaching and the learning will happen. Like it'll yeah. happen so naturally right. that you don't even know it's going on. And that's the part I think that's scary. And I think, you know, f- both of us, I think we have this mission of, providing freedom that like our life does not have to look like 15,000 hours of school. And that's what childhood is, you know, no childhood is so much more um, than that. And, and childhood are these experiences that we have together. And like you said, even just the conversations, like what a reminder, what a reminder that something as simple as a conversation because it's auditory Mm -hmm. um, can be so impactful. Mm -hmm. And I think we need those reminders because there's a lot of pressure to do, 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 and enroll, enroll, enroll. Uh, you said, and I, we're the same, you know, we don't do any formal schoolwork until around age seven. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of back to that Waldorf thing, and right. um, that's what they do in Finland. And um, there's so much research about birth to eight as being these wonder years of play. And so if the kids ask, we do some stuff, but we don't do much. And the other day, um, you know, and I'm like decently busy, and I know you have eight kids. I mean, you're busy. Uh, the other day, our five-year-old, she came up to me with like this stack of papers. I should have brought them in here. They're sitting on my nightstand. <laughs> this stack of papers. They're on this little yellow construction paper. There's probably 15 of them. She cut out. She cut them out. And then she wrote, I love you, everyone. And I didn't teach her how to do that. I mean, I guess, you know, we haven't done that yet. We've gotten through A. (laughs) You know, like that's it. And so, but, you know, she found it somewhere, written somewhere else. And she came in and she said, Mom, I made these for you. Says, I love you. And, you know, it's like that was self-initiated. So she gets so much more out of that than me having her sit down and write, I love you 15 times on a right. piece of paper with a little, you know, dotted line that goes through the middle. So right. I'm sure you have some stories of that. Like, do you have, can you think of something about just something your kids did that was, or one kid that was self-initiated and and you saw how much they got out of it? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I'm sure there's a million things. You know, the best story probably, actually I have one about my grandson, first of all, he's, oh, that's he's fun. Turned seven and his mom was, you know, periodically just visiting. This was, this was actually like a year and a half ago that this happened. She'd been visiting colors, you know, like, you know, what colors that was just, just talking about it. Right? Yeah. Way, just kind of to help, kind of help see where he was going and just sort of like, you know, give him a little nudge or whatever. Um, <clears throat> And he was constantly getting them wrong. Like every now and then he'd get them right. And she's like, oh, well, okay, whatever. (laughs) And so, but then one day he's playing Uno attack with his dad. And the, and the cards come shooting out and he starts naming all the colors. Just bam, 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 bam. She's like, he was just ready at that moment. It it clicked. And then you and I have talked about this before where, um, with our kids, um, we did, you know, whatever book work we were doing, we would do that in the morning, you know, along with our chores and all that kind of stuff. And then usually after lunch, our goal was be done by lunchtime with that stuff, no matter how old the kid is, unless they're in high school, then they go a little beyond. Or if they've been messing around and <laughs> and they need to learn to stay on task. But other than that, the kids were 
And they didn't do that very much because they knew they were going to get this independent time every right. afternoon from, right. you know, usually from like two to four or one to four, whatever. And anyway, so they would be out there for a while um, and it, it rain, snow, whatever, you know, um, we I'd go, okay, guys, you need to go out. It was for me too. Like I needed them to go outside. I needed mm-hmm. to know I had the house to myself yeah. for a little while. And of course they're in and out for different things, but yeah. And when they would come in, I'd be like, so what are you guys up to? What's, you know, um, there was this one period of time where they were out. We had a bunch of rock outcroppings and they were just like gone. They were in there. I could see them up there. I didn't know what they were doing. Um, They come back in, you know, get snacks or whatever to bring out there. And and I'd say, what are you doing? Well, we're building a, we're building a civilization. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, so they're there. I mean, I did not buy special things for them to do that. They had to source their tarps, sheets, you know, rocks, wood, they had to use what they had to, to create. So they created the civilization, which they went out to every single day for, I can't even, I can't even remember how long it was. And I would hear periodic stories sometimes about what was happening out there, you know, just kind of bits and pieces, but I never really knew the big picture until they were adults. And it's so cool. It was really cool because um, I, I knew good things were happening out there. I could sense it when they came in and they would tell me what they were doing. I was like, yeah, this is good for them. Um, but they told me later that they learned um, basically a lot of like society standards and things like that because they each had their own property. They had their own property line. They each had their own like role in this society. So like you would have like a a person who was like the law and you would have somebody who was really good at building houses. So he would help other people build their forts in exchange for, you know, the younger kids who could come in, give me the puppy dog eyes, ask for snacks, and then they would sell them. <laughs> and they had their own currency out there. Wow. Um, it, it wasn't real money. It was, you know, certain rocks or whatever. I mean, it was, it was quite elaborate and I had no idea. Well, I'm just in there like, oh, they're entertained. I'm fixing dinner. I'm doing laundry. But isn't this the win-win? It isn't totally, this the win-win, totally you know, win-win. which is like, you know, like, you're getting what you need and they're getting what they need, you know, whereas the other way, it's just kind of butting heads like all the time. So it's this here's grinding all the time. Yeah, It's like this miraculous thing that what's easier for us is also beneficial for them and the most beneficial for them. I mean, all the books say that they Mm -hmm. all say that they all say that play is the primary thing. And when you really take a step back and you think about a situation like you're talking about, you can see it like you. It seemed frivolous because you didn't even know what was going on. Right. You're not checking boxes, learning about civilization, learning about adult responsibilities, learning about societal roles. I mean, those things are in curriculums, you know, like, you know, I've seen it like I've gone through the some of the standards in our state and you see that kind of stuff like they need to know about the roles of society. Well, they hear they're doing it on their own yes. and they're doing it. That's the difference mm-hmm. reading about it versus doing it. Those yeah. are two very different things. I was hearing yeah. someone talk the other day about, you know, just like you can read about raising chickens but that doesn't mean you know how to raise. <laughs> that's the truth. You know, there. <laughs> well, that's how I felt about gardening. Yeah. Actually, as we were talking at the beginning, I think before we even popped on this author, yeah. Sharon Lovejoy, and she, I wanted to be a gardener, but I was so scared to try. And I had stacks of books that I didn't understand. I didn't understand what germination meant. And I didn't really get like, how do you know when to plant it? And I, I just, 
I'm like, I feel like I'm like mildly smart. I'm like, I didn't understand any of these books. She's got and a master's Sharon, degree. Like, Sharon, Sharon Lovejoy, she's got these books that like she framed it, like do it with your kids. You know, mm-hmm. she has like a pizza garden and a mm-hmm. sunflower house. It's really whimsical. So then I was like dreaming. I'm like, well, I, I want to do these things. And then when I did it once, then I understood, yeah. you know, the, you know, the companion planting. I'm like, I didn't get it until mm-hmm. I did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you think about this. I would want to know that if the internet went down, let's just say the internet went down, we couldn't Google what we wanted to Google. What are we left with? And what are our kids left with? Because I think that is, we want to equip them with a set of skills that if that changed, if something changed, they are, they're golden. They understand what it looks like to exist without all that. And that's why I really, really, uh, you know, really try to keep screen time limited. Now, when the, our kids are our oldest were young, that wasn't a thing. So I had a little bit of a foundation already laid there, which was very helpful. But it got challenging as more and more technology came out and and you know, how do we how do we manage this tool? Like it's it's a form of wealth. And so you think about it's a stewardship thing. You've got to know how to manage it well. And so I just kind of kept it to a, a minimum, minimum. I didn't cut it out altogether because I wanted them to learn how to yeah. manage it under my, you know, yeah. uh, you know, discipleship and, you know, just under our roof. I think that's a really important point that yeah. I hadn't thought about. We did a podcast at the beginning of this season with Gab Wireless and they've got um, like a non-smartphone yes. and they call it like a first phone for kids. And that's what she talked about. She was like, in every other situation in life, you know, we give the kid the butter knife to cut with first and then right. we give them the sharp knife or, we, you know, right. they do right. the no pedal bike and then they go to pedals. I mean, in every other thing, there's this gradual, but then we just give the kid the iPhone I know, you know, right? or whatever. We give them all access. And so um, I thought that was a really wise approach, which is we should look at technology the same way. Like, let's teach them, you know, let's teach them, you know, how do you text and what do you say and what's inappropriate? And, you know, it's sort of like the, the rules of the game and yeah, yeah, just like free for all. Yeah. And, but I wanted my kids to overall have a very natural childhood and, you know, where they were out in nature and they were, you know, being resourceful. They were, they were having to find their own resources to figure things out. We lived out in Timbuktu, so I couldn't run to Lowe's or whatever to give them. I was like, okay, there's a pile of wood over there. Um, I think there's a bucket of nails over here. Well, and that's, I mean, that has a name today, Dorenda. So you oh, were, you were like on the, you're like cutting edge. <laughs> so the name for all that stuff, right, is Loose Parts. I mean, there's whole books written about it and blogs. Really? It's called Loose Parts Play. And it's about having a bunch of loose parts. And yes. so they say have old tires and have, and all the things that the kids pick up and they're heavy and they're moving, you know, like they're moving the log. That's called heavy. I know, but it's not. It's called heavy work, you know, and that's helping their them their, with their ligaments and, you know, right. it's helping their different, their sense. It's called um, proprioception, like where they know how much force, right. like, you know, that, that they're banning tag at schools because right. kids don't know how much force to use. And that, that heavy work of moving 
little, you know, logs and things. That's what's helping them learn that. <clears throat> and why so they are don't getting something. Why, why are we? Yeah, well, because they're <laughs> using too much force because they don't know. And then everyone's getting hurt. It's because they haven't had this like foundation of play. Yeah, well, let's go back. And, and yes. So I know like, it's like we got to go backwards. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's like a foundational thing, I think, that kids build up over time. And so yeah. if they hit age eight and they haven't had those experiences, right. they don't know. You know, they say like that maybe that child wouldn't know how to hold a baby chick. They would squat. They would maybe squish it or not hold it hard enough. And it, you know, and it jumps away. So all those sort of little tactile sense. things. Um, and we learn yeah. that through like the push and pull. It's so interesting, and, though, because yeah. everything you're saying, there's a very simple way for them to learn it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just yeah, it's easy. You just give them your junk, right? <laughs> say, Here's the old tire. Have at it. You yeah. Know? Well, we we tended to we moved quite a bit because my husband we would like fix places up, but we fixed them up while we were living in them. You know, we we chose places <laughs> that didn't need too much work because I can yeah. handle that. But yeah. uh, each one was an investment, and that's how we ended up you know, being able to do t- a family of 10 on one income. Yeah. And so we had to be willing to to move every, you know, few years or whatever. Um, we didn't actually plan it that way. Just kind of like, oh, look at this opportunity. We should take it and move forward. And so we did and and praise, you know, praise the Lord. It worked, it worked out great. But in that process, we would end up with places where the people who left left all kinds of stuff behind. Yes, so gold mine. Yeah, yes, I remember when Jake, he's 26 now and he is a software engineer. He works for Amazon. He was he went out into this shop where uh, Larry, the former owner, had just left like so he was a sign maker and he was done. He was retired. He left all this stuff. So he would love to go out there and tinker. He's maybe four or five. And, and so he would be out there tinkering. And one day he comes in and he goes, OK, mom, I'm ready to plug it in. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, don't plug anything in. Wait till dad gets home. Mom does not do electricity. Okay. So so we waited. Dad came home. I said, honey, you know, told him the story. He goes out there. He comes back in. He goes, it's a really good thing you didn't plug that in. (laughs) Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh Never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. 
Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. But this was just, you know, I mean, this was our life, you know, our kids yeah. like coming up with stuff, building stuff. And I mean, my, our, our, one of our sons, he, you know, five of our kids are boys. So, you know, that says a lot right there, but he uh, refers to his childhood as an aggressive inquiry into the laws of physics. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, it's true. And they love sitting around the campfire, like, or, you know, we'll, we'll do a fire pit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Every time they get together, Thanksgiving table, whatever. Oh, always- I've seen that. I've seen you post about that. That's yeah, really special. They talk about this stuff that they did. Remember when we blah, blah, blah. And sometimes Aww. I'm sitting there and I'm going, really? I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> but, you know, I tell you what, this is like there's uh, Lenore Skenazy has a book called Free Range Kids. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in several books. It's like kids need to be away from adult eyes. Mm-hmm. Like that is actually a requirement of theirs. You know, they can't. They that. have to have a break from being watched all the time. Well, and you know what? We need a break from watching them. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, it's you know? interesting. It's interesting. I um. I talked to Peter Gray recently. He he wrote this book called Free to Learn. And he's yeah. pretty into this like Sudbury Valley school and um, where it's like sort of this democratic, the kids kind of do what they want. And, um, you know, and he's part of this thing where after school, they're trying to get these programs where the kids basically just get to play and the adults are there not to supervise, but just, you know, for extra eyes if someone gets yeah. hurt or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about like, no matter how you do it, you know, like for you, you're saying... I know there was a time period where everyone shoved their kids outdoors. I mean, that's the time period I grew up in, you know, which is like, go play, you know, go find the neighbors. But now there really aren't the neighbors, you know, necessarily. And so I think this is a new wave where the moms are actually going with, Right. you know, this is part of my life. I go with. And, you know, I have thought at times like, oh, it would be nice to shove them out the door. You know, you feel like you need that. But also, so that's good. But also if I go with, that's good, too. You know, there's some special things there too. So, you know, it's like either way, either way that it happens is special and, and um, is beneficial to all, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter which way it goes. A lot of times I, I would not a lot of times, but periodically I would just be outside for whatever reason I was working out there or whatever. Um, or if it was nice weather. I just yeah. sit and I love if you could sit and read a book or yeah. you know I they're playing just loved watching or just sit them. yeah because we would go down to the river in the summertime and I would just sit and watch them and I learned so oh. much by watching my kids and and I would just close my eyes and just listen to their voices and their them having so much fun sometimes when you just eliminate the visual mm-hmm. you take in so much more and it was just 
I'll never forget it because, you know, it was just all those years were just, they were sweet years. I mean, there were hard times, but I would say overall, I look back and I have no regrets and that's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to look back and say, my kids had a childhood for them. I mean, I enjoyed them. Um, You know, that was the rule, not the exception. I enjoyed my kids. They seemed to enjoy me. And now as adults, we still enjoy each other and just have, I think that should be your next book. I'm sure that you're ready to write another book, (laughs) but I do think that um, that piece is missing. Um, I'm not seeing, which is like that transition, like, you know, how, you know, like the bonfire and the, you know, what did those transition years look like? And um, it's neat to watch though. I'm, I'm watching you do it and I've got a good friend. um, I'm watching her do it too. And it's, uh, it's really special to watch Mm -hmm. those transition years. So I, I mean, to live, to live a life of no regrets, man, that's a goal, I think. Uh, you know what, Dorenda, we, <laughs> we've not even got past the title. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I mean, that just goes to show how good the book is. Well, just look at, right. there can be yeah. so much. Oh, let me read, I want to read a, um, a quote or two from here. Well, and a That's lot of what we're pick. talking about are things that... These are the themes of the book. Yes, Absolutely. Exactly. One of the things I had written down in here was about fear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talk a lot about fear and... Um, I got a page number written down, but um, you said one of the biggest and most common obstacles parents face in regard to homeschooling is fear. And I think this is in regards to parenting as well. Mm -hmm. Fear of not being enough, fear of failure, fear of adverse circumstances, fear of failing our kids, fear that our kids won't, you hit it all here, fear that our kids won't measure up, fear that we won't measure up, fear that our kids won't be successful and fear of what other people think. And then just a few paragraphs down, you say, we move forward in spite of our fears, mm-hmm. which I thought was just a, um, I mean, that's kind of the story of all of our lives, probably. No one really knows what they're doing. And, you know, I think, you know, for us, we've done some research and we've tried to be diligent. And, you know, even if you have all of that research behind you and you've read all these books and you have wise people who have gone before you, you're still afraid, especially yeah. if your life looks different than what the majority of other people's lives look like. And, yeah. and that maybe is, is, you know, our paths really align there. You know, this four-hour school day or less, like you say, if they're little kids. I mean, it really does not look like, um, you know, the typical childhood. Um, but we don't have to be afraid. No, we don't. We don't. And, and you know, if we just think about what's natural for children, it's it that that helps so much because, you know, they're wired a certain way. And if you allow them the time and the space, they show you what they need. They show you what they're ready to learn. And you don't have to try to figure it all out. You can relax and just enjoy the process. Mm. What a great word to use to describe a parenting approach. Relax. Because I don't think that most of us think about relaxing when we think about parenting. But I think that is the point is like if we can, well, it's like maybe we're not ever not going to be afraid, but we're still going to, we're still going to walk forward um, and we're still going to sort of walk through those fears. Well, and um, it's really about, you know, we all feel fear. That's a real emotion, um, you know, about a lot of different things, but it's how do we respond to yeah. that fear? So if we say, I'm going to respond to that by saying, I trust the process. I trust this, you know, God-given process of, of how he's, how our kids are wired. And I'm going to just 
engage in the process, that's going to be my response. Yeah. Instead of reacting and, you know, and taking whatever. the arbitrary standards yes. and trying to like kind of shove our kids into that mold. That yeah. And you're going to lose yeah. so yeah. much by doing that. And yeah. you'll gain so much by not reacting yeah. um, to, the, to the fear and instead just responding with a calm sense of peace. And this is what our kids need. They need calm leadership. They need, um, they need us to just be that nurturing, loving parent in their life. We play such a vital role in our kids' lives. We are what we're laying the foundation for their future. You, you don't think about it when you're raising your kids, but most mm-hmm. of their lives, our kids are going to be adults. Right. Okay. So we right. get them for a short period of time. And I know it, it can feel like a really long time because I remember while I'm in the you know throes yes. of homeschooling eight kids, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. Uh, it's never going to yeah, end. Yeah, but then you turn around and your kid is 13. I mean, that's where we are, exactly. you know, and they're 13 and you're like, well, we have less than five years left, you know, and maybe they're not going to leave when they're 18, you know. But, right, right. Um, but you, but you you're know. right. I mean, there's a, a major foundation. Most of his foundation has already been laid. Yeah. Pass. And, and so, you know, and that's not something, again, we don't respond, we don't react in fear to that, but we respond by saying, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to unhurry, you know, my, my heart. It doesn't mean we're not busy because I I heard somebody say once busy is your calendar, hurry is your soul. Um, So I like that of your soul um, Mm -hmm. needs to be um, calm. And especially in the world we're living in, never could our, I mean, our kids need us to be calm and to show calm leadership and to be nurturing and loving and engaged. And like I said, just they see that we, we are trusting um, the process and, you know, for our families, trusting God um, in that process and that we can, we can relax and we can enjoy each other. Cause this is really, this is what life is all about. It's, it's family, you know, it's relationship for sure. Well, it's interesting because you, you have to walk through the fear Mm-hmm. In order to realize that these alternative methods work, yes. you know, like, so for exactly. us, I mean, I remember being really afraid that we didn't start doing any reading until age seven, you know, but now I have a 13 year old and, right. you know, I'm like, oh, it's fine. Like, he's fine. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's a great reader. He reads all the time. He has yeah. a book with him. All We're constantly having to tell him to put his book away. You know, like, mm-hmm. all right, can you, can you not bring your book to the, you know, to every restaurant, to everything? Right. He's always got his book. Can I go to the car and get my book? I mean, you know, but. But I wouldn't know that right. it worked unless we did it. And so then I'm glad we did. And then for the other kids, obviously, it's easier because you have that. Right. Background. And every kid is different. But mm-hmm. um, so, Dorenda, listen, your stuff is so influential. Uh, the four-hour school day is your newest book. And then you have two other books. Um, can you tell us where people can find you? Where can they find your books? Okay. Where can they find your podcast? Give us all the info. Okay. You can find me at DorendaWilson.com. All my books are there as well. Um, you can also find the books on Amazon and then Zondervan, uh, the, the, the latest book, the four hour school day is at all kinds of booksellers because that's what publishers do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They get it everywhere. Right? Yes, exactly. And my podcast is on my website, DorendaWilson.com, or you can also listen from your favorite platform. It's just the Dorenda Wilson podcast. So, okay. Yeah. And I, and I know it's, it, you've got so many awesome topics on there. Um, I have a lot. I well, actually, we did two together. I'm not plugging yes. my own, but, oh, but we no. did two together. But, I was um, so glad to hear you started a podcast because you have so many great things to share. So oh, I'm you're so really sweet. glad you're out there. And, well, we started in 2019 with just myself and then I quit in 2020. Yeah. And then we got little kids and then, um, and then I was like, oh, I was in my mind. 
And then someone asked to be on my podcast. I was kind of like, I'm not really doing it. (laughs) I didn't say that. I just went for it. And I tell you what, it is, it has been beyond what I could have ever imagined. You get someone's best hour. Yes. Like what are the, you know, like the things that someone, like the things that they're most passionate about and you like siphon it down, you know, Right. I mean, on a personal level, I am walking away from every podcast episode that we've recorded Mm. changed. You know, so I'm like, this is great for me. <laughs> I'm awesome. loving it. Love it. Um, can we can we end with a f- um, you talked about your kids childhood outside memories, but can we talk about a favorite childhood outdoor memory of yours? Oh, of mine. Oh, goodness. Yes. Um, you talked about when I was a child when you were a kid. Yeah. Yes. OK, well, I grew up in Central California, Central Valley in California. So hot dusty, think desert type weather um, mm-hmm. on a cotton, almond, uh, raisin, well, you know, grape and raisin. Um, they actually literally put the grapes on papers and dried them. Wow. And, yeah, it was great. Wow. So, yeah. And so um, I went to this little country school. It was like K through eight was like 90 kids. And so it was just, it was a great little school. My teacher, my teachers were awesome, but I remember walking home from school, I would lived about a mile and I would walk these dusty and the dust was just like powdered sugar, just poof, 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 poof. You know, I'd take my shoes off and, and I'd walk through that and I'd stick my hands in the irrigation water because they would always be irrigating the, the fields. And I just, the cold water, I just, the whole, I can still feel and all of that through my senses. And, and the times that I would sit in the backyard, I remember one time I'd sit on the back porch and with the dog and it was nighttime and I looked up at the stars and I just remember I still just so vividly remember that it was those moments where I was just alone outside that really really have stood out and and those are so simple Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. walking on a dusty road barefoot yes and can I just say these are the happy places that our kids get to go whenever they feel stressed as an adult. And I have watched my own kids do this. I've done this. When I'm feeling really stressed and overwhelmed, sometimes I'll just sit and close my eyes and picture myself walking down those dusty trails or those dusty paths and putting my hands in the water. And so you're giving your kids a gift when you give them a childhood. Yes, because I have read that those memories are are as powerful as, mm-hmm. Almost as powerful as being in that moment. Yes. That just thinking back on nature experiences is calming. And so, you know, like to have, you know, as a mom now to have these photos, you know, and I look back and it just, it really does fill you up to have those memories. Mm-hmm. So what a cool thing to have to bring up Dorenda here to end it out. I think it's a gift that, that has lifelong, um, like it's like a lifelong gift. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. I was memories. Was really grateful for that, and that's one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that our kids had a childhood, um, yeah. because I knew how much I appreciated mine. Yeah, yeah, and that it's such a reminder that it can be so simple. I think there's so much pressure to go big and take the kids here and you know do these big trips, and they're like, "What was your favorite moment of childhood? Walking barefoot in the dust and, and touching right. irrigation water." <laughs> okay, right? Like you know, then you're you know, if you're a parent that's like spent ten thousand dollars on these different vacations, you're like, "Well, wait a minute, you know, yes. like that yes. was your favorite memory." <laughs> but that's what the kids. I mean, my favorites was swimming in the motel pools with my dad. 
I mean, my parents would take us, he was in the military, they'd take us on, um, I don't know, we had a couple different obligations every year, and they'd take us, and they'd take us to all these museums. It was probably a pain. You know, my poor mother, we had, there was three of us, we're close in age, she's dragging us to these museums, and I'm like, hey, my favorite part's swimming in the motel pool, you know, along the highway, whatever. <laughs> Well, can I just say one more thing as being yeah. a, a mom who's like, you know, down the road with seven of our eight kids grown, I want to say something. Um, you have to understand that you are not just doing this for your children. You're doing it for your grandchildren and your great grandchildren, wow. because I see how we raised our kids um, impacting our grandchildren and because our children are wanting the same things, similar things for their own children. And if we had not taken the time, made the effort to, you know, just face our fears and move forward anyway, um, things would look different now. And so it's really, it's really fun and, and, and very much um, a tangible reminder of the investment that you're making. Wow. That's a really neat perspective that you have passed down bravery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you've passed down. Wow, Dorenda. Well, I still appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship. I'm so glad that we did this. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a blast. Thanks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.